Well, good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. For those of you who haven't had the measure of, or haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet, my name is Zach. I have the honor and, and pleasure of pastoring the people here at Christ Community Church, along with Pastor Sue, who you heard from earlier. And it really is just so great to be in, in worship this morning as we enter into this conversation or continue this conversation with God. This morning, we're going to be getting right into it. We're going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Um, I forgot to find the pages, but if you open up Isaiah, or if you open up your Bibles to just about the middle, you should be in Isaiah or within a few pages of it. What is it? 973. Also, by the way, if you don't have a Bible of your own, or if you know someone who could use a Bible or needs a Bible, please talk to myself or Sue or really just anybody who looks like they know what they're doing here after the service. We'd love to send you home with one as our gift to you this morning. Right. 9.73. Before we read it, let's pray together. Make us to know your ways, O Lord. Teach us your paths. Lead us in your truth and teach us, for you are the God of our salvation, and for you we wait all day long. Amen. How are we doing? We, f we find it? 973? All right. Uh, not Isaiah 9, starting with verse 1. Isaiah writes, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the, nan the <clears throat> in the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as the people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulder, the rod of their oppressor, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. It will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and with righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. This morning, if you can tell by the, the decorations around us, we're entering into this, this season that we call Advent. Now, if you're new to this whole church thing, or it's never been explained to you, or if it has been explained to you and you weren't really listening, which tends to be my issue, um, the season of Advent starts four Sundays 
before Christmas. And, and this word Advent is, isn't really a word that we use outside of church all that often anymore, out in, in the real world. But the church has, has kind of claimed this word. But the meaning of it is it describes an arrival of, of someone or something of importance. For us, this is a four-week time dedicated to anticipating the arrival or the advent of Jesus, both his birth 2,000 years ago, but also looking ahead and waiting for the time he comes again. Essentially, this is a season with an emphasis on waiting. I hate waiting. I'm really bad at it. It drives me absolutely insane. Um, a couple weeks ago, they opened a new Costco right by me, and I was really excited. I love Costco. It's like a personality trait at this point. Zach loves Jesus. He loves the Spurs, and he, and he loves Costco. That, that's me summarized, basically. Uh, so, so this grand opening for Costco, it's, it's on a Saturday, and I'm at church preparing uh, for the next day, and I finish around 6 and decide, hey, I'm going to go stop by this. Maybe they have some great deals to celebrate that they just opened a new store. They didn't. Uh, but... <laughs> Also, if you ever have the opportunity to go to a grand opening of a Costco, just go home. It, it was a madhouse. But I, I was there already, so I walked around and kind of familiarized myself with the store. And, and I have a general rule that if you go to Costco, you have to get something from the food court. And so on my way out, I, I go to the little kiosk, I order uh, their ice cream sundaes, and I I go in line, wait, wait to get my food, and, and I waited, and I, I waited, and, and I waited some more, and, and as I'm waiting, I'm seeing the line next to me cycle through multiple times, and, and I'm seeing the guy at the window who's, who's clearly new. I mean, it's a new store. He, he has never worked a shift with real people before. He's asking everybody to help him make his food or show him how to do it, and then I see him off in the corner laughing with another employee when he should be preparing my food. And, and while all this is happening, I'm getting more and more frustrated and, and more and more upset and, and more and more in, impatient. And then finally, and more and more hungry. <laughs> and finally, the guy in front of me gets to the window, which means I'm next. And he hands him his receipt and he says, yep, one pepperoni pizza and 13 hot dogs. Just so much food. So much longer waiting. It, it made me almost leave, but... But I was already, I stuck there for so long. Um, eventually, I, I got my ice cream and I was leaving. I checked my watch to see how long I was actually waiting in line. And it was 10 minutes. Which is way too short of a time to be as angry as I was. It was pretty embarrassing. But, but I don't like waiting. Things like waiting in lines or, or sitting in traffic drive me insane, and maybe y'all are used to it because you've been in California longer than me, but I'm guessing you can at least relate on some level because we live in a world of instant satisfaction, right? If I'm hungry, I just need to go to the nearest fast food store or restaurant, and, and I'm eating within five minutes. If, I'm, if you're bored, you just need to turn on whatever streaming service your favorite show is on, and you're entertained immediately. If you're lonely, you can open up an app and see what all of your friends are up to. If you're depressed, you can endlessly scroll through TikTok and Instagram Reels and, and get your mind off of that. 
I mean, if you need anything, it's just a click away from Amazon, right? And it'll be at your door the next day. And, and even sometimes that's not enough. And when I buy a book, I, I will almost always buy the ebook now because it's just one click away and I'm reading it immediately. I would argue that, that since there are so many things that provide instant satisfaction, it makes waiting for things, the, the things that we actually have to wait for, that much more difficult especially the things that are already hard to wait for to begin with. The, the things way more serious than, than waiting in traffic or, or waiting in line at Costco. You know, like waiting for the right job offer, waiting for the correct diagnosis for, for the treatment to begin, waiting for the treatment to take effect so that the pain ceases, waiting for a broken relationship to heal, waiting for the grief to subside. I mean, I think the, the fact that we don't like waiting is, is a major contributor to why there is, is so much abuse of, of things like sex and, and porn and alcohol and drugs and gambling and social media and, and even overeating. It's a major contributor why divorce and suicide rates are, are so high. It's not the only one, but, but it has a role. We don't like waiting through the hard times. We don't wait for them to end, especially if we don't know what the end will actually look like. Putting in all the work and waiting for your marriage to be reconciled is hard, especially if you don't know if reconciliation is possible. Going through all the testing and treatment and waiting to be healed is hard, especially if there's no guarantee that, that it will work. You know, when Isaiah wrote this passage, this prophecy that, that we read today, Israel was going through a pretty hard time. If, if you don't know the story of Israel, it started when God spoke to a man named Abram, who God later changed his name to Abraham, and, and he promised him, quote, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God says this in, in Genesis 12, and the rest of Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and 1 Samuel is God making this happen. And sure, there's hard times that there was a famine. The Israelites were eventually enslaved by Egypt, and, and God led them out, and then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and there's a bunch of battles. But eventually, it happened. They were eventually led to their homeland of Israel, and it, a nation was established, and, and this guy named King David ruled over it all. He, he made them a great nation. He uh, united all 12 tribes, and, and God blessed them. And he made them great, just like he said he would. Eventually, David fell into sin, and Israel kind of started to crumble. There started to be cracks. One of David's sons rebels and tries to take his throne, and, and he draws a lot of support away from David, and then, then other people start to rebel. Then David dies, and his son Solomon takes up the throne and becomes king, and, and there's even more unrest. And, and this man named... Uh, Jeroboam 
rebels against Solomon, but Solomon drives him away to Egypt, and, and then Solomon dies, and, and his son takes over, and Jeroboam comes back, and Israel splits into two, and the northern kingdom of, of Judah and the southern kingdom of, of Israel, and, and they both start following this trend where they, they go further and further away from God. Then at the time Isaiah was prophet, there's this Assyrian kingdom looming over them, growing in power, instilling fear in the land. Things were bad. And through choosing their own way rather than trusting God's way, Israel had plunged itself into the darkness. But Isaiah came with a message from God. The people walking in darkness, God's people, they would see a great light. And how would this light come into the world? Through the birth of a child. Out of the disaster of, of everything that is going on, out of the confusion and unrest and fear, God will bring victory. For this won't be an ordinary child. We call it Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And justice, and a government of greatness, and peace and justice and righteousness will be on his shoulder and it will know no end. He will reign over God's people with the kind of justice and righteousness that no son or heir of David was ever able to achieve. God's people have been humbled, but they will ascend to honor. It says the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this, meaning that, that while all of this, I'm sure, sounds way too good to be true, God has promised that it will happen. This child will come. God will keep his word. Then do you know what happened? Assyria set siege to the southern kingdom for three years, and eventually Israel fell. Many of the people were expelled from their own homes. And then Assyria reigned for about a hundred years over Israel, and then Babylon came. And, and through the, the leadership of a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, they attacked the northern kingdom as well. And he replaces their king with, with that king's uncle. And eventually that king uh, rebels against King Nebuchadnezzar. So King Nebuchadnezzar comes in and, and he takes that king and his family and he, and he kills all of his kids in front of the king and he gouges out the king's eyes and then sets a fire to his uh, temper, to his... Uh, his home and, and all the homes of everyone else around him. And, and then he burns down the uh, temple, which is where they believe that God resided among his people. They destroyed the walls and they took all the powerful families, all of the, anybody that wasn't poor and cast them out of Israel, leaving only the poorest behind. And then Persia captured Babylon. King allowed Israelites to go home and, and rebuild some things rebuild their city, and then the Greeks come and capture Israel again. Eventually, Israel revolts and gain independence for a little while. And then the Romans come. And, and the Romans put in charge a man named King Herod. Um, you may have heard his name. If you don't know who King Herod is, uh, at one point he heard that a child was going to be born who will be called the king of the Jews, and Herod didn't like that, but because he was the king of the Jews, 
And so what Herod did is he had ordered every male child two years or younger to be murdered in the land so that he could keep his power. And that's the type of king that Israel was under at the time. And this is about 700 years after Isaiah's prophecy about the child that would bring peace to God's people and justice and righteousness to God's people. 700 years of, of suffering and despair, 700 years of waiting, waiting for the suffering and, and hardship to be over, not knowing when it would finally happen. I mean, I can't imagine that, that amount of despair and, and heartache that comes with waiting for that long, how, how anyone is able to hold out any type of hope in that situation is absolutely incredible. But towards the end of King Herod's reign, 700 years after Isaiah first wrote this down, a child was born. God kept his promise. And he is called Wonderful Counselor because he is the one we can trust to, to guide our lives, someone to give us necessary and faithful counsel that isn't detached or, or unemotional, but is done completely without any self-interest. He's called Mighty God one who could actually take on the, the price that sin demanded and, and rescue us from the chains of sin and death and, and then eventually emerge victorious, inviting us to share in that victory. He's called Everlasting Father, the one who is there in the beginning of creation, creating with the Father, but also is one with the Father. For in the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's called Prince of Peace, the one who will come to inaugurate his kingdom of love and justice and will one day return to make all things new and all things right. That was the child that was born, Jesus. Then the zeal of the Lord Almighty accomplished it. God didn't work in Israel's time but he, he did fulfill his promise. And because his, he fulfilled that promise, we have every reason to believe that, that his word can be trusted on everything else that he says, that his promise to us will be true, that, that he is completely trustworthy, and that one day our waiting will also be complete. And we may not know when, but we do know how that story ends. It ends with new earth, where Christ will establish his kingdom once and for all, a great kingdom that will establish and uphold justice and righteousness and peace will know no end. A kingdom where loneliness and sorrow and addiction and, and suffering and sin and death will, will no longer hold any power over us. And when we allow this king this child, to take over the government of our own lives, of our own hearts. We are promised that we will come to know the benefits of his kingdom. We will come to know the light and the honor and the joy and, and the abundance and the peace that only he offers. See, I don't know what season of waiting you're in. I don't know what the brokenness that you're experiencing may look like. But I do know that that is how the story ends. 
and we can wait in hopeful expectation because we know that what the Lord promises will come to fruition and the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we wait. We don't like waiting. So often our, our waiting brings us sorrow and, and discomfort, even agony. But we wait. We wait in hopeful expectation because we know that you are good. We know that you keep your promises. We know who you are, that, that you are wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So Lord, help us in our waiting. Give us strength to endure. It's your name we pray. Amen.